Hello and welcome to TV Watch, a podcast from Digital TV Europe looking at the biggest news and trends in the worlds of broadcasting, streaming and everything else to do with the TV industry in Europe and further afield. I'm Jonathan Easton, Deputy Editor of Digital TV Europe and on today's show I speak with Konstantinos Papavasilopoulos, Principal Analyst at Omdia about the current state of the MENA market. While we here at Digital TV Europe typically take a Eurocentric look at the world of broadcasting, it's also worth noting that there happen to also be a few other continents out there. We often consider North America to be, like Europe, an established and mature market for both pay TV and OTT, while Asia and Africa are considered by the industry in the global north as largely untapped sources of potential revenue from billions of end users with a wide range of interests. However, in the midst of all that is one particularly interesting market that sometimes can fly under the radar in discussions of the global TV industry. The Middle East and North Africa, or MENA, is a fascinating area to examine. The Gulf region in particular has a significant population of highly affluent consumers that the likes of Disney and Netflix would love to tap into. But while the trends of pay TV and OTT on the surface appear to echo those in Europe, this is also a region fraught with political tension dominated by oil-rich oligarchs who have invested heavily in TV. To talk me through the dynamics of the region is Omdia's Konstantinos Papavasilopoulos, who has recently published a detailed report on pay TV and online video in 2021 in MENA. You've written Omdia's report on the MENA market. Why don't you just give a broad outline of the market and your report? It's a collaboration report. There's two authors, me and my colleague Max Signorelli. We cooperate together the last four years for producing the MENA, pay TV and uh, online video market report. It gives, uh, with details, of course, an outline of the state of both markets. And I could easily say that uh, it's a tale of two different markets. The pay TV market, for reasons that are internal to, to MENA, but also for what we see globally, the proliferation of OTT versus pay TV. The pay TV market is stagnating, if not declining. The market was hit also by uh, blockades, by duel between countries like Saudi Arabia and Qatar. But it's also true that cord cutting is happening in MENA, is happening even in MENA, if you want, Jonathan. And therefore, online video is gaining at the expense of pay TV. The online video market is booming, like in the rest of the world. But there are also particular reasons why MENA 2020 was so successful. And it's not just the pandemic. It's also the fact that some major broadcasters and pay TV operators in the region have totally revamped their OTT offers and they have seen their market share growth exponentially. So very briefly, I would say that the MENA market is already dominated by the online video. Online video subscriptions are around one and a half million higher than pay TV subscriptions for the first time in 2020. And the projection is that this trend will continue unabated at least till the mid of this decade. So in the in the report, you, you mentioned the impact of, of piracy and how that's significantly affected the pay TV sector. Now, is that entirely down to the BLQ situation there between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, or is it more broad than, than just that one topic? Obviously, it is more broad. 
the BRQ is an exceptional case in the, in the case in the sense that we have state-supported piracy to an industrial level. That is what makes the BLQ case so different from the rest. Piracy is rampant in the region, and there are many reasons why this is happening. We estimated that pay TV operators and broadcasters are losing around 800 million US dollars a year because of piracy. Uh, the blame should also fall a little bit on the governments of the region. The fact that there is no transparency in the media market. The fact that intellectual property rights are not vigorously protected. It's not a culture, there is not a widespread culture of understanding the value of IP in the region. And unfortunately, authorities many times turn a blind eye to violations of intellectual property rights. Why, in why, why do you think that that culture doesn't exist in MENA? There are a number of reasons. One thing that we need to tell is that media operation in MENA many times uh, are not launched or if you want do not operate with the sole scope of, of um, you know, earning revenues for the owners. Many channels have been launched for political reasons to support uh, government, to support ruling uh, parties, or even to support individuals that have strong power, especially in the Gulf, in the ruling families, I mean. There is, there is no, the, if you want, the common ethos of, of um, market that we see in Western economies. That goes together with the fact that uh, some of the, the so-called rock channels, some of the channels that are pirating content, actually happen to belong to prime members of, of, of ruling families in those countries. So there is absolutely no willingness from the part of the authorities to enforce intellectual property rights. Also, as I said, there's a little bit of cultural issue in the sense that the theft of intellectual property is not considered a crime in some of those countries. And also, regulators are very weak in those countries in order to enforce the law. Is that partly because of the influence of the big established ruling parties and things like that? Exactly. That plays a, obviously a role. So they are in name uh, regulatory authorities. Actually, most media are regulated in MENA by the Telecom Regulatory Authority, which is kind of, you know, um, how can I say, an anomaly a little bit regarding what is happening in the Western world, where you can have unified regulators like Ofcom or like FCC in the, in the US, but they have strong powers in regulating content. That's not so much the case in, in MENA, where the, you know, the norms about content are a little bit, you know, different from, so obviously, freedom of speech, if you want, especially on political delicate issues, is not protected the way it is protected in the West. So that definitely plays a, a major factor in, uh, as we've seen, not, those countries have not cultivated the culture of really valuing intellectual property uh, the way we see in, um, you know, in Europe or in, uh, in the US, in Australia, in, in the more developed countries. You mentioned about there really being it really being a tale of two markets, the pay TV market and the OTT market. One thing that's really interesting about MENA, specifically the you know the Gulf region, is that it's one of the rare markets where Netflix isn't at the top of the the tree so much. 
and that kind of everything goes through Stars Play. How has Stars Play elevated itself to this extent where it is the main player? First of all, to be fair to Netflix, Netflix is the number one OTT service in MENA in terms of revenues. Right. Okay. Way ahead of the rest. In terms of subscription, is currently trailing uh, not only Stars Play but Sahid Vip, the real the real winner in 2020, but it's very very little behind those. So we we can say that we have three OTT service, namely Netflix, Stars Play, and Sahid Vip, with well over one one million uh, subscriptions at the end of 2020. Now Stars Play uh, launched in the region in 2015, one year before Netflix. While initially they 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 were uh, committing the same um, you know teething mistakes you can say when you entering a market the truth is that since 2017 they have implemented a very shrewd a very commercially sound strategy for growth in the region where that was based it was based first on partnerships stars play not just in 2020, all over the last five years, is the champion of bundling, of partnering with telcos, with pay TV operators, with manufacturers, with retailers, with everyone in the market. And when I say market, the market that is from Morocco to the West, to Iraq in the East, uh, everywhere, they have differentiated their pricing. There's a different pricing structure in the Gulf, where obviously you have higher average incomes and a much smaller pricing uh, offers in uh, uh, the rest of the MENA, like North Africa, like Egypt, like uh, the Levant, which is Jordan, Lebanon. This also helps. They have tried also to differentiate a little bit the content. The idea that the MENA is a homogenous region in terms of content consumption is wrong. Uh, actually, uh, their markets like Egypt were a little bit insular in the sense that they like their own content for cultural reasons and others as well. Uh, Substars Play is offering more uh, French content in North Africa because of the long historical and cultural uh, links between those countries, former French colonies actually, with, uh, with France, and offering more content for expats in the Gulf because in some countries like the UAE, the local, the Emiratis are, are less than 13% of the total population. It's mostly expats coming either from Southeast Asia, like India, Pakistan, Philippines, or from Europe and North America and Australia. So they have implemented a different, a full range of tactics, of business tactics to grow their business. And as the numbers indicate, they have success, they have successfully, uh, you know, implemented those tactics. Uh, they are, if not, if not the number one, definitely among the first three uh, OTT service in a very competitive and dynamic market like MENA. What we, what we have actually seen in 2020 is two major broadcasters and operator, NBC uh, on the one side and OSN, totally revamping their OTT services and actually managing to grow their market share by 500%. And right now, the, the recent intelligence that I can share with you is that uh, by the end of Q2, like we are, it seems that Sahid Vip is the largest uh, OTT service in MENA above of um, Starplay and Netflix. It should be no surprise for, for those who know the MENA market, 
because uh, Sahid Vib has a lot of strong cards to play. It's a product of the largest media house, I could say a powerhouse in the region, which is NBC. For more than 25 years, NBC is entering practically every Arab house in MENA, attracts well over 110, 120 million subscribers when it, they are showing their tentpole. Uh, programming, which is mostly talent shows like uh, Arab Idol or Arab Got Talent. They have the largest and most ex extensive network of connections with the content production industry in the whole MENA, from the Gulf, Saudi Arabia and UAE, to Egypt, to Jordan, to Lebanon. They are extending now in Morocco. And they have, through NBC Studio, the most elaborate content production infrastructure facility if you want in the whole MENA. They are focusing on Arabic original content. They are by far the largest producer of Arabic language original content for OTT services in MENA, spending or investing you want four to five times more than what Netflix does or what OSN does. And they are they are prone to, to dominate this market in the next few years, the way we see it. OSN, on the other hand, a pay TV operator, is starting to, well, they will keep, of course, their satellite business, but is, is starting to shift to the OTT delivery of content, had so far rather unsuccessful tries with um, uh, Go by OSN and Wave or in the previous years. But in 2020, they revamped the service, they renamed it as OSN Streaming, and more importantly, they adopt a new business strategy, that of a light aggregator. We have now aggregators who are super aggregators, the way that telcos are, like Saudi Telecom or Etisalat. And we have the light aggregators, services aggregating a fewer number of other OTT services, mainly Western services, and therefore trying to enrich their offer and attract specific audience, specific demographics. OSN is doing that now, as is the house in the whole MENA, the exclusive house for Disney Plus Originals. Disney Library content is available from other uh, sources as well, but Disney, Disney Plus Originals are available only through a subscription to OSN streaming. So Disney haven't really, well, they, they aren't intending on launching a standalone service? Not at least for the end of the year. I think they were very, very happy seeing that uh, their bundling with OSN has, has driven, you know, a surge in, in subscription. As I said, OSN market share has grown 500% between 2019 and 2020. Is that well, partly because the Disney brand doesn't maybe have the same kind of cultural sway there? Or is it just because there is such a dominance from, uh, from, from the brands you mentioned? Good point that, Jonathan. If we, if we look at uh, Disney Plus launches, Outside, I would say, of the Western world, if we, if we go to markets like APAC, like India and Indonesia, for instance, we will also see that even there, uh, Disney Plus launched bundled. Okay, in India, it launched with Hotstar, which is a Disney property after the acquisition of Fox in 2020, uh, end of 2018. It is Star India, uh, which operated Hotstar, but still, it is a bundled, and actually Disney Plus in India um, has grown, uh, you know, in a way piggybacking, you know, growing mm. through Hotstar, and the same happened in Indonesia. Well, it's we really the um, having having the cricket, isn't it, on Hotstar? Yeah, that's really been the big yes, driver. Yes, absolutely, the Indian Premier League, um, which is a big property, is for sure in India. So in reality, we've seen that in 
markets outside of the, the developed ones, Disney is adopting this model. Uh, it is easier, it is faster, it is less costly, and it allows the service to grow so fast. The, the one thing that Disney is showing is how fast their OTT service has, has grown in just one year. And I think, therefore, that the choice they made in MENA to cooperate with OSN has proven to be uh, the right one. And as the numbers indicate, I don't, I don't have internal information, of course, but I know for sure that the, the, this, this um, cooperation will continue till the end of the year, but maybe we will see it in 2022 as well. So we've mentioned Netflix there and Disney. What about Amazon, which is the other large, largest kind of US Western player? Where does Amazon fit into all of this? What we have seen uh, from other markets, more developed markets than MENA, is that where the Amazon Prime video is launched bundled with the Amazon Prime service, therefore with the free shipping and all the other benefits that an Amazon Prime subscriber is getting, uh, the video service is also growing significantly is that bundling that helps it growing. Uh, on the other side, where Amazon Prime Video is launched standalone, the uptake is it's much, much lower. In MENA, the Prime Video is launched bundled with the Amazon Prime benefits only in Saudi Arabia in 2019 and the UAE in 2020. We expect a similar launch in another big market, which is Egypt in 2021. Probably it happened before the end of the year. But so far, Amazon Prime Video is, is not a big player in the OTT, in the online video, if you want, market of the region exactly because they haven't launched bundle with the Amazon Prime benefits in the majority of the countries. Have they, they, have they licensed that, their content or they kept hold of it all? No, they kept hold of their content, but their content, if you want, is not as attractive for the media, for the MENA audience in, in, to drive uh, high subscriptions. It's, it's the bundling with uh, the Amazon Prime service that is driving the subscriptions. We may we may see it. They, they have indicated that they were planning a new launch in a bundle launch in Egypt. So we will have to wait and see because Egypt, Saudi Arabia and UAE are big markets. So that's the reason about Amazon Prime Video. We've spoken mostly on OTT and a bit about the aggregation going on with pay TV. But we haven't really talked about BIN, which is the um, the largest pay TV operator in the region. How are things developing there? BIN's very political in the situation between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, and the blockade has ended there. So there's a bit more of a uh, optimism you wrote in, in your report. Why don't you give a broad outline of what's going on with BN? As you correctly said, BN is for the last few years the largest pay TV operator in the region, the undisputed leader because it has uh, the most attractive premium content, which is sports, premium sports. They have invested, the Qataris have invested huge amounts of money in controlling practically every every premium sport property. They even taken cricket and the Indian Premier League away from OSN uh, a few years ago. Now, the blockade and especially the operation of the pirated network of BLQ uh, delivered a big blow to, to being media. We've said they lost 40% of their subscri subscription base, subscribers base, 30% uh, of their revenues. Now, there is a normalization of their relations. So hopefully by the end of the year, um, being media will be officially reinstated in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. Uh, there is optimism, but we have to understand one thing uh, that we are referring to the report. The business model of being media is unsustainable in the long run. 
it was not, as you, as you correctly pointed out, Bean Media was the soft diplomacy arm of, of the state of Qatar for years. And uh, they were not driven by, you know, very, very sound business reasons. Everybody knows that they were overspending in order to, to acquire all important, all premium sports rights in the region. And on the, on the back of those rights, they built you know, their, their, their pay TV proposition. They became the largest pay TV operator in terms of uh, subscribers and revenues. However, the model is not sustainable in their own run. We believe and we have estimated that they, their revenues are between 30 and 60%, 60% at the time of the blockade, less than what they are spending for content each year. Just for sp sports content each year, they pay between 1.2, 1.3 billion US dollars a year. So uh, for being media, probably a strategy similar with what OSN is implementing, that is shifting towards OTT. OTT, of course, brings lower ARPUs, they have to, they have to, in a way, you know, rationalize a little bit the, their content costs. But generally, generally speaking, they are also, they have also other problems. One of them is the region wants also local content, Arabic language content. We've seen the shift now with NBC and with OSN. OSN has started producing a lot of Arabic originals. Stars Play is entering that, although Stars Play was offering only Western content, now they start offering Arabic language content. What is the problem with Bean? Bean doesn't lack, doesn't lack the money, but they lack the connections with right. the content production industry in the region. So they the focus so much on sport that they've yeah. fell behind elsewhere. Yes. yes. The Saudis have the connections, not just in, in, in Saudi Arabia or in the Gulf, but all around MENA, in Egypt, in Jordan, in Lebanon. The Qataris are lacking that network of relations, and it will take time for them to create one. So that is also a, a, a big obstacle for them if they want to grow their business, that they have to rely on Western content again, which is expensive. How can they keep their cost down? And with W's effect on uh, the uptake of their service, because the competition now is growing in the region, especially competition from OTT against pay TV. That's what I think about being. That's what that's what we wrote in the report that mm. their business model is in a precarious position right now, although they so, seem dominant. So, so, so as as we as you mentioned, it's a it was largely kind of envisioned as a political soft power, and they're pouring more money and more and more money into it. Will there become a get to a point where the you know Qatar state will just say, okay, this has achieved what it needs to, and start pulling back, or do you think that they're happy to just keep keep on investing more and more into it without really caring too much about its profitability? Because of the blockade and because of the operation of BLQ, they, they, they have let off 30% of their workforce in Doha, Qatar uh, in 2019 and 2020. I think the FIFA World Cup, uh, the next one to be held in Qatar, November, December 2022, is a very, very important event for, uh, for the state of Qatar. 
they want a very successful operation for the FIFA World Cup that will will uh, showcase to the world how competent is Qatar in holding these tentpole events. So they will keep investing till 2022-2023. What I believe is that probably there's going to be a normalization in the cost after after 2023. Maybe there is going to be an interest also from Saudi Arabia to invest in premium sports rights for the territory of Saudi Arabia, something that would be beneficial also for the the sport right owners, because that will mean more revenues for them instead of selling to just one operator uh, the whole MENA rights. They can segment it into markets and that way they may end up earning more. So we may see these kind of discussions, mushrooming, after 2022 in the region. For the moment, Bean will try everything to secure the premium sports rights for the next two or three years. But yeah, I believe that some some form of normalization will happen after that period. That's very, very interesting because we often um, overhear hear about being spending ludicrous amounts of money without really thinking about what the end game is what the goal is so it's interesting to hear that um hear that insight and and just everything you've said about um the cord cutting about aggregation about ott it's very very interesting it's a market which i think seems to have quite a lot of parallels with emia in that respect with the growth of ott and pay tv operators focusing on aggregation it's interesting to see those parallels yes it has similarities it has its own characteristics as well the mina for historical and cultural Mm. reasons but they are trying to follow the major trends. So yes, we see OTT growing, we see aggregation growing, we see partnerships between telcos and OTTs growing, and we see investment in local original content for OTT now and not for TV growing. So in that respect, yes, it's, it, MENA is following the similar trends that we see worldwide, but also has its own characteristic, as I said, uh, which are in a way connected with uh, the history of the region and the politics of the region, of course. So that's the show. Thank you very much to Omdia's Konstantinos Papavasilopoulos, and thanks to you for listening. TV Watch is written, produced, and mixed by me, Jonathan Easton, and Digital TV Europe's editor is Stuart Thompson. You can find me on Twitter at EastJohnEast or get in touch with me via email at jonathan.easton at informer.com. You can follow Digital TV Europe at Digital TV Europe on Twitter and at digitaltveurope.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter that will keep you up to speed on all the latest goings on in the TV industry. And if you're new to the show and would like to be informed when the latest episode is released, you can subscribe to TV Watch on your preferred podcast platform choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts or whatever. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.